Welcome back, everybody. This is Will, and I'm going to be your host for the show, and you're listening to The Roost Report. So today we're going to talk about round four. For us, that's Houston, and this is the first East Coast round that we see. Today we are going to discuss the new riders that were introduced into the class, that be brand new riders or new riders to this class that have previously stepped down. Before we get into that, we're actually going to talk about why it's so nice to be back in Houston. Houston's always been that place that has always had that pivotal moment of riding and aggression, and it's always been that place for the East Coast 250 guys to kick off their career, especially in the last 10 to 15 years. Now, we did take a break for about a year. We haven't been here since the residency, and it's good to be back. So from here on out, talking about the new guys that come in, there's a few that come to mind. Obviously, everybody talks about Danger Boy Deegan, Hayden Deegan, on the Star 250 team. And that was a performance, I should say. I don't think it's shocking that he did so well. I think that we all kind of expected him. I think Ricky said it best, love him or hate him, you got to respect the man. He did what exactly he was hired to do, and I think even outperformed his expectation. I think... He expected to be top 10, and we got top 5. Now, I think going in the future, if he can continue the speed, maybe we see a podium out of him. I definitely don't expect him to be there, but definitely it would be very cool for him to be in the podium range of things. And he kind of was this round. I think if he had a better start, I think that's kind of the underlying story with him is his starts, especially within the 250 class, he's going to be a much better rider. Moving on, we have Chance Hymas. Chance Hymas, especially in qualifying, really surprised me. Now, maybe there's a little bit of maturity that needs to go there, and I'm surprised that he didn't fall into the same, or Deegan didn't fall into the same uh, lines as him. I kind of expected them to be around the same speed, but... For me, Chance Hymas coming off with a top 10, that wasn't so bad either. And the last new guy that comes into this class as a rookie is uh, Talon Hawkins. Now, along with this, Talon Hawkins has a lot of experience. He comes from a background of really racing motocross, getting a factory ride about a few years ago, getting picked up by the Rockstar Husky team. And I think that was a good move for him. I think it upscaled his progression and it allowed him to be somewhat competitive this last race now i think due to certain mistakes he didn't do as well as maybe we hoped but that all comes with time now i did glance over somebody else that is new and essentially a rookie to this class maybe not a rookie to pro motocross but i am going to mispronounce his name so please bear with me here but i think it's pronounced tom Viel. so with that being said he came out a lot more prepared than I think the other rookies did because he does have that GP experience being a multi-champion. And I was kind of hesitant on how he would do. And that was really only due to the uh, one cliffhanger here. He has no Supercross experience. Now, motocross and Supercross, outdoors if you want to call it, are so different. And sometimes that doesn't translate and so for him to come out 
and going and getting a whole shot and doing well in his heat and in the main, I was pretty shocked. And it's pretty fun to watch, you know, somebody coming in has no experience in this type of racing, especially racing over in Europe and now coming over to the U.S. and being competitive. That's always something that's kind of questionable. Are they going to be able to hold with speed? Are they going to be faster? Does that experience translate over to Supercross, etc.? So that was really cool to see. I think he's going to be a fun one to watch. Okay, so this guy's not a rookie per se, but he is a first-timer on a factory ride. And he's somebody who came out of retirement. You guys may know him, Chris Bluffs. So Chris Bluffs comes out of retirement knowing that PC or Pro Circuit is in a bind and they need a rider. They need somebody on the track. And Chris Blows is able to do that. And for somebody who gets off the couch, starts training a few weeks before they give him a call, and he's able to buckle up this ride and stay what I would say somewhat competitive in the top 10, I think that's pretty good. I mean, he is older. He was always kind of that privateer rider that did well, especially within the 250 class. But coming out, having sitting on the couch and not really thinking that he was going to race this year, having that mindset of, okay, I'm done with racing, putting that in the back burner, and now having this opportunity, it's a great start, at least for him. All right, the next guy on my list isn't a rookie per se, but is back in the 250 class, and that is Max Anstey. And holy cow, this guy really shocked me. He was fastest in qualifying both sessions and then does pretty well in his heat, matching what I would say Hunter Lawrence's speed um, and really keeping him at bay, especially in the main event here. And um, I was really happy to see that, especially since he's on that satellite team, if you want to call it, the Firepower Honda team, the same team that Dino rides for. And it's a really good exposure for that team as a whole, but especially him as a racer, maybe this opens up doors for him in the 250 class as a factory rider in the years coming. Or he says, hey, I believe in this bike. This can be better next year. We can keep going with that. And so hopefully there is some sort of uh, movement there with him in his career as of uh, transitioning to a fact or privateer to a factory rider or a satellite rider to a factory rider. I think it can happen. I think he put him in a, himself in a really good position to do that. And I think we're going to see good things from him. Now, I know I kind of jumped around here, jumped ahead up here and there with the new people who have come into the class. And I'm trying a little bit of a different style here. I'm not trying to make it as cut and dry but I am trying to get all the information out as cleanly as possible. And so this is my way of doing it. And so as we go through that, I'll get into more detail of how these guys did and more precisely their positions and what we can see in the future for them. But uh, that is just a disclaimer for now. What makes Houston so interesting, especially this go around, is all the new privateers coming in and we have that big expectation of what we feel like they should be at and what they're actually at and how they perform. It's a big cross from coming from futures and amateurs and Loretta's coming into the pros. And if they can make it work, some guys are prepared enough. They've had the racing under their belt and some don't. I think we see that a lot with the unpreparedness with Max Volan. I think he was pushed into a situation where he wasn't as 
experienced as he should have been. And now we see that with these younger guys where they're a little bit more experienced, that are a little bit older, and they're coming in and having these longer careers because they were a little bit more experienced and they're able to mount a good career on these factory rides and last a little bit longer in the crowd. Watching qualifying, the track was extremely fast but rough at the same time. There was a couple sections I did want to touch on. There was that sand section that broke down really, really dangerously in my opinion, but it was fun to watch. I think the way that they built the track, it allowed for that sand to get really deep, and it wasn't one line. It changed throughout the race. Sometimes the inside was good, and for the rest of the time, the outside was good. Following into that next section, you had that triple jump, and after that triple jump, there was that 180 turn, and it looks like a lot of riders could lean into that turn really sideways and rail that turn into the next section, leading into that quad. And the guys who can manage that quad, it was such a game changer in my opinion. If you couldn't manage that quad, which it kind of seemed like an easy one for them, but I would say it was pretty scary if I was them. Now, the next section that I did want to talk about was the whoop section. Now, this whoop section was long, and I think it's fun to have a long whoop section. It kind of separates the good from the bad and the better from the greatest. And I think we saw that today. I think we as fans can really see the talent and the effort that these guys put into these uh, new training regimens and the new bikes that they're on and where they really shine are in these difficult sections. Now in practice, when I was watching practice, I did see the newer guys, especially Deegan, struggling in the whip section. So come to ma- or come to race time, I was a little bit worried on how he would do because he didn't seem to have that whoop speed. And on the other hand, Chance Hymas did way better, in my opinion, in practice when it came to the whoops. But somehow Deegan turned it on and he was able to mount that charge. And when it came to the whoops, it was no problem. And so I think when you have this style of track that caters to the people who train hard, it really shows. Now, before I go into the heats, there was a lot of guys that did stick out in the race, but I would assume that everybody was most interested in these new guys coming to the class that haven't previously been in this class. So that's why I spent a lot of my time talking about them. But going into the 250 heat one, we see that Hunter Lawrence is able to mount first, Nate Thrasher second, and Chance Hymas third. I was surprised on that, actually, um, with Michael Moseman fourth and Chris Bluss fifth. Now, watching even in qualifying practice and even in the heats, Nate, Thra- Nate Thrasher was quick. He was really fast, putting on the charge, mounting Hunter Lawrence's time, and even surpassing him. And even with Max Anstey being the fastest guy out there, I was pretty surprised that they were able to put up a charge. It seemed like in the East Coast, the star guys weren't able to put up a dominant performance like they have been able to in the past, and it seems like that might change during the East Coast. Now in the 250 Heat 2, Max Anstey was putting on the charge with Jordan Smith. Jordan Smith has been the guy that has been hurt most of the seasons, being on privateer teams and factory teams. He has a chance now on the the factory team, and he makes it happen in the heat too. Um, But 
I would say if there's a little bit more time there, Max and Anthony seem to have a little bit better pace, maybe not as great of a start as Jordan, and was able to kind of secure that win for him. But if there was more time, I think we would have seen a different winner. But it was really nice to see, like I said before, Tom Violi come out in front and be one of those top guys, followed by Hayden Deegan. Um, and there's no surprise that, uh, you know, Tom's, I guess, not going to do well now, even though I just said that he was going to struggle before. He's kind of proven me wrong at this point, and I think that's a good thing for the sport. Now, what I was hoping more for was Jeremy Martin. I think he has put in the time and the effort to be that fast guy, and I believe he can be that fast guy. Even if he's on that club bike, I think that club bike has evolved over time. I mean, look at Enzo Lopes. He has done very well. Look at Phil Nicoletti during the Triple Crown event just a you know week or so ago. He did very well at leading one of those races for... 80% of the time, and so that bike's not improving. I'm looking for him to do much better throughout the season. Okay, moving on to the main event, I think we can all say that Tom Vial's kind of warmed up to the whole Supercross thing, and he's good at this point. So he comes out essentially taking the lead and almost getting the whole shot, if not getting the whole shot, and putting on a pretty good charge and hitting his marks in the beginning of the race. Now, he does end up making a mistake and um, it looks like he wasn't able to hold that lead and drops down to about fifth or sixth. So essentially, as time improves, I can see him being a very t- top contender, and that's going to be something that we look out for, putting him in our, you know, top, you know, imaginary picks because I know that the fantasy doesn't do the two fifty class, but essentially hoping for him to do well. Essentially, when he moves on. Um, Hunter Lawrence comes out after making that mistake in the first two two corners and puts on a charge and gets in the first. Not too far behind, though, is Max Anstey. And Max Anstey, pretty, he kept him honest. He was there. If Hunter Lawrence made a mistake, he was going to be the guy that was going to take the lead. And his speed within qualifying and to the main event was very similar. Now, I think... When it comes to intensity, maybe that's where Max Anstey lacks a little bit. And Hunter Lawrence has a little bit more of experience when it comes to holding a main event lead that long and for that uh, speed. And so we can see a little bit more from him maybe in the future when it comes. At this point, you would think that the veterans of this class would have the advantage of knowing how the race speed is and especially some of them racing Hunter Lawrence. But it seemed to be the opposite. Mid-race, Nate Thrasher and Michael Moseman had crashes. And they weren't able to mount the charge that we know them to be. And so I'm hoping that in the future we can see a better result from them. I think it's the first race jitters. Didn't put themselves in a good position for the series. But there is still time. We never know what's going to happen next week. Hopefully these guys are consistent coming in the future. But this might make it difficult for them to charge through the pack in points. But not to my surprise, Jeremy Martin is having a good race. He isn't super close to Max and Hunter, but he's still mounting the charge. He's taking advantage of those race crashes that those guys in front of him are having, and he's putting in a really good race. It is until the last few laps. In the last few laps of the race, we see that Jeremy Martin has a crash within the whoops 
and can't really hold on. And he runs into the tough block, allowing Hayden Deegan to pull through. And that puts Deegan into fourth. And it really kind of set everything in perspective on how Hayden was doing and where he's at within his race speed. And so the fact that he can kind of hold into this top five, even though he didn't really have a very good of a start um, and making some mistakes here and there, he still was able to pull through the pack and mount up to a top five finish. On the other hand, with Jeremy Martin, I think he's got the speed. He's there. He just needs to be clean in his execution. And hopefully next week we can see a little bit better result out of him. So the top five finishers for the main event were Hunter Lawrence, First, Max Ansey, second. Jordan Smith, third. Good ride by Jordan Smith. Fourth, Hayden Deegan. Also a very good ride. And coming back to fifth was Jeremy Martin. I think these guys are the guys to watch. I think we can see good things from them. There are guys outside the top five that are very fun to watch as well. They might have good rides in the future. Some guys, like I mentioned before, Chance Hymas, Tom Vial. There is, I'm surprised that Chris Blows actually did get a top 10. He's kind of more in that 6th, 7th, 8th guy, but maybe that's due to training. Um, and we can go forward from there. But other than that, very good finish for the Houston round for the 250 class. All right, here, moving on to the 450 class, Heat 1, we had Jason Anderson, Cooper Webb, Aaron Plessinger, and Dylan Fernandez coming out pretty strong. I think they were pretty close in the beginning, all challenging for top position, especially I was surprised about Aaron Plessinger. He keeps surprising me every weekend in the heat races. He seems to have this immediate intensity when it comes to racing in those shorter races. So maybe he is a triple triple crown guy that we can expect to do well in the future when those come, but uh, especially Cooper Webb as well. Cooper Webb, uh, we know that he struggled throughout the race. This was just not his track, but did put a good mount to a finish, trying to keep his uh, race points at bay. Um, And especially with Dylan, Dylan has some sort of uh, intensity when it comes to these more rutted tracks, and he can kind of find his fitting there. Um, But definitely they were a good quad to watch these guys go back and forth. Jason Anderson was able to come out with the win, followed by Aaron Plessinger, Cooper Webb, and then Dylan Fernandez, and then Ken Rocks in fifth. And so these guys were top five, all very fast, looking forward to Heat 2. Now, I just did forget to mention there is a new guy coming into the 450 class for this race. I don't know how many other races he is racing. It's mentioned that he is racing select rounds. But Justin Cooper did make his 450 debut, and that was, uh, he did especially what I expected him to do. Um, Not racing for the outdoors and taking off the first few rounds of Supercross, not having that race intensity. He did just as much as I expected him to be, especially within the heat race. I expected a top five or top 10, and he did so with a, a sixth place. So that's enough about Justin Cooper. Now, before I get into Heat 2, I should say that the fastest qualifier in the 450 class was Chase Sexton, who is in this next heat, and he was 
mountains ahead of these guys. He was so much faster within all the rhythm sections, especially the whoops, and he was able to pull up on these guys within time and was just unbeatable. So moving into Heat 2, uh, we had Chase Sexton and Chomack battling for the lead, and what was surprising to me is especially when it comes to racing incidences, uh, when the gate drops, Tomac is kind of the unbeatable man, especially if he gets a good start. Now Chase Sexton was able to hunt him down, pass him through the whoops, and keep him behind him for the rest of the race. So if that doesn't tell you how much speed Sexton had, yeah, that was a lot. Following these guys was Justin Barsha, Adam Cincerillo, which also had a good start in this race. Cincerillo has been putting up a charge a lot more than I would have expected him to do. And I, I think everybody says this. We're just excited to see him at round four. It's exciting to see that he can continue the racing without getting injured and maybe not playing it safe, but playing it smart. And so I think it's really, really exciting to see him improve each weekend and seeing a little bit more of intensity from him week out. And so uh, he was fourth and then respectable fifth was Cole Nichols. And these guys approaching the top five within the heat races, I think that's good for them. Um, and so that gives them a little bit more of that race speed in the 450 class. And so I'm excited to see these guys creep up. All right, moving into the last race of the night, the 450 main event. Now Tomac gets the whole shot, but followed closely by Aaron Plessinger. And again, I've said this before, I'm very excited to see Aaron Plessinger up in the front and being aggressive. I think especially in the front, as early as this is, you need to be aggressive just a little bit to get that little edge or that position that you need to break away. Aaron Plessinger tried doing just that. Um, followed by Jason Anderson right behind him uh, with uh, Chase Sexton right there and forth. And so now I think that Aaron has a little bit of learning to do with the race speed when it comes to that time. And I think we can see that as the season goes forward. I think he's really going to mature this season and maybe come the end of the season we see a lot better results from him. But at this time, it seems like Jason Anderson had a little bit more of intensity and so did Sexton. And Sexton was able to hunt down these two guys and put on charge for Tomac. Now where Chase Sexton faulted was he wasn't able to change his lines up when it came to the sand section and it allowed Tomac to get away. But one of the biggest moments in the race was actually early on. Now, Dylan Fernandez has a pretty terrible crash. I think it was at the end of one of the rhythm sections going with or battling with Ken Roxon, and just a little bit of a mistake there goes into a big crash and injures himself. I can't remember exactly what the injury was, but it seemed like some sort of concussion we saw him getting carted off in a neck brace, and he wasn't stiff. They showed or panned over to his wife, and that was an upsetting moment for them and their family. And so, by all means, a speedy recovery for Dylan Fernandez. Now back to the racing. Because Sexton wasn't able to break away, and I know I mentioned this before, I think this was maybe a time where he was getting tight, and was unable to break away from his normal line. And maybe he thought that going to the outside would just lose a little bit of time or that 
Tomac would make a mistake. Now, it's pretty impossible for us to believe that he would because he is so inconsistent, even though we have seen him make more mistakes this year than he has in a while. I think that this track just worked to his benefit because it was kind of more of like an outdoor track. It had that rough sand section, and I think we all know that he excels in those type of tracks. And so it was just chopped up to him, maybe getting too tight, getting narrow vision, and not being able to see the other lines creating more speed. But he did earn a a respectable second place and definitely had the speed to get third if those incidences didn't happen. Now, these guys were able to break away, but coming in third was Jason Anderson, and followed by him, which I was really surprised and really happy for this guy to come in fourth was Aaron Plessinger. He's kind of getting close to his best here. And I think if we're seeing him at round four coming at this fourth place spot, we haven't seen him there in a while. I think this is a good move for Aaron Plessinger within where he's at, especially with this training. So good to see him there. And then following him was his teammate, Cooper Webb. And like I said before, we know that Cooper Webb struggled with this track. I think it was just the way that the track was laid out. Uh, it didn't have a lot of lines for passing. Either it was in the whip section or you kind of have to make it in those mistake zones like the sand section or the whoop section. So either, either of those two sections, if you could really make a pass there, which was kind of impossible, it didn't really help Cooper Webb in this point. Now, with all the racing done, I didn't do very well with my picks in fantasy, but I am glad to see the guys who did well that have been struggling previously, like Aaron Plessinger. All in all, I think this was a really good kickoff to the East Coast races. I'm glad to see that all those guys that came out as rookies did somewhat well, especially for Hayden Deegan, Tom Vial, and even Chance Hymas. I think that Town Hawkins has a little bit more to prove with that 11th place, but he'll get there. Um, really excited for next weekend. But for now, this is Will from the Roost Report, and we'll see you later.